This episode has been brought to you by Okta. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, that's not true. You could restore it all. Welcome to Backup Central's Restore It All. I'm your host, W. Curtis Preston, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Prasanna Maliandi. Hi, Curtis. I'm so glad to have you here. And today, for the first time, we have a guest, a guest star. We're going to say a guest star. She is an IT and security director at a tech company in the Bay Area. We're super glad to have her here. Her name is Sajel. Say hi, Sajel. Um, hi, guys. Really excited to be here. Thank you for having me. This is such an honor. The honor is all ours. So the name of the episode, which I know you will love, is called The Wi-Fi is Down. My favorite. <laughs> You're focusing on security now, but you've done quite a bit of IT work. Yes. What would you say is the number one challenge of managing IT at a, at a large company? Probably the difference and experience and scope within all these new applications that we're kind of introducing. I think people are used to a certain way of handling things, accessing things, and that's definitely changing with a lot of the new tech that we've seen. So I think there's that learning curve that can be an issue sometimes, but definitely that's getting better. And outside of that, I think it's just making sure that everything's kind of documented, everything is set in place with the process, all the basics. You mentioned all these applications. As I recall, you guys use a lot of SaaS apps, don't you? Yes, we do. Are you, you're, pretty, you're, you're pretty sassy. Yeah. The SaaS oh, IT I love department. it. I love it. What's that like? Because how many, how many SaaS apps do you think your company uses? Overall, I think we're over 200. Oh, for sure. cow. Yeah, which is a lot. And that's a good thing and a bad thing. It, there can be applications that are possibly doing the same thing. And hence, you have like duplicated efforts within your apps. And then it's also a good thing because you're trying different things and you're introducing new things to new people in the company. And it can go both ways. But there's definitely a good amount. When I think about that, and, and I go back to, you know, it, it was a long time when I was managing IT. IT at a, at a company. If we had 200 apps, that was 200 servers. That was 200 databases or yeah. websites or yeah. something. And I can't, I can't imagine doing that. What, what's that like managing 200 different apps? It's obviously very difficult, but that's when new tech kind of like Okta or something of that front kind of comes in place and makes it a little easier. And also, as I said before, as long as everything is driven with a process and a procedure, everything becomes a lot easier. But I would say primarily from an IT front, Okta has definitely helped me kind of understand and support all these applications. But it can be much worse, I feel. So Okta manages the process of them signing in. It also manages the, you can determine who's assigned or who's who's available or allowed to access each app. Yeah. So that, yeah, that's kind of where the security aspect of it comes in. It's a lot with access control. It's a lot about single sign-on. Um, we're making sure it's only, you know, to our internal employees. There's no external person in a sensitive application. It allows us to kind of monitor that, log that, which is always is important um, around auditing time. Prasanna, you've used you've used Okta, you've used apps where we work. Have you worked at other companies where 
Oh my gosh, Curtis, don't even get me started. <laughs> I was at one company where to access your own Windows system, there was one set of credentials. To access an internal wiki or Confluence instance, there was a different credential. To access yet another system, there was a different credential. And by the way, if you want to check out code, there was yet another system. And the biggest problem is each one of those had different password restrictions or requirements. So some required number signs, some required symbols. And so you ended up with like five different passwords trying to remember when they expire because they all didn't expire on the same day either. So it's like what password goes with what system. And to be honest, I wouldn't be surprised if people actually wrote down those passwords on sticky notes and stuck it on their monitors. I would be incredibly surprised if that didn't happen. You know what the, What what annoys me as a user of, I, I use a password manager. Uh, last time I checked, I have, I think, 400 usernames and passwords at various sites and services that I use. One of them, which is this one, Zencaster, right? What kills me is when they tell me, I, I'm fine with saying you need a uppercase, a lowercase, a special character, you need at least 12 digits, whatever. I don't care how many digits you tell me. What really annoys me because I use a password manager is when they go, yeah, we don't like those special characters. You can use these. You can't use those. We don't like semicolons. We don't like left braces right braces are fine but we can't use left braces or have you ever noticed sometimes when like on your desktop that password manager works fine and then you go to the mobile version of that and boom it does it doesn't work or the website yeah well i'm blaming apple for that okay and the way apple has chosen to implement security on their on their devices now sejo are you are you an apple person or, or an android person? i am i am which is why people can't see this but i definitely made a face when you said that <laughs> But yeah, definitely an Apple person. But the whole like, it's definitely not seamless, the use of a password manager on a on an iPhone. And because even with a password manager, even with Touch ID, I still every once in a while have to enter my Apple password. And so the Apple password is literally the only password I know that is actually in my head. Nice. Because I have to manually type it way too often. And so it's in my head. The rest of them, well, that and my Dashlane password. So we're talking about Okta. Mm-hmm. It's not the only system like that, but it's certainly, I think, the most popular, right, for managing accounts at all these different apps? That's definitely what I've seen and kind of heard. Um, when you go out there, primarily, I would say Okta's kind of owning that sector of the industry. Because I haven't managed IT in, a, in an app-centric world. How much of managing the apps themselves falls under IT, or do you just... Like uh, like in Salesforce, it's a Salesforce admin and IT really has zero to do with it. Yeah, so it definitely is. You still need app-specific admins and Salesforce is a great example because Salesforce in itself is a whole different beast, right? Um, something like NetSuite would probably require an admin of their own. But from an Okta standpoint, it's really the provisioning aspect of it and it's the access control. So that really plays a huge part in onboarding and offboarding and you know making sure all your accounts are deactivated in a separation um, type of situation where you're not worrying about admins being notified if an employee has left and going in there and deactivating the account. So I think that's where one of the heavy use cases lies. I'm sure before Okta, you were probably using a system, a different system. How much time did it actually save you now having a central place where you can go to do all your onboarding and offboarding of employees and deprovisioning and restricting access? Tons of time. I think it's eliminated at least over half for sure. I mean, if you think about it, you're going into Okta and literally just clicking disconnect, right? Deactivate from Active Directory, that deactivates them in Okta, and it starts her whole workflow. So I think it's definitely helped in that place. And it's also eliminated any human errors. So I think that's huge as well. 
This episode has been brought to you by Okta. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, that's not true. The only thing we really need then in a company that's using Okta and, you know, 1800 SaaS apps is we just need the the Wi-Fi to work. You and your Wi-Fi jokes. So what's that like? From an IT professional standpoint, obviously, it's you never want that, right? You never want to disrupt the business. You never want users to not be able to connect. So all jokes aside, obviously, it's an issue that, I'm sure I I know IT takes very seriously, but sometimes you kind of run into the issues and I think it's more about how fast you can get it back up and kind of uh, troubleshoot it to figuring out a root cause and making sure it doesn't happen going forward. Recently, Druva did a tech field day and one of the guys was a Wi-Fi professional and I got sort of a glimpse into <laughs> the Wi-Fi way of thinking about things. It was one of the things I knew it was a whole other discipline, but it's a whole other discipline. And I mean, I just, I started, I made the mistake of saying, can you tell me why my home Wi-Fi doesn't work? Why it's not reliable? And I, I, it was one of those questions that the answer was really, really long about how complicated Wi-Fi is and the 2.4 versus the five. And so do you now have like a PhD in Wi-Fi? I will say I need an Android because this there's a Wi-Fi like investigating app that's free that's apparently only available on on Android. But I happen to have an Android tablet sitting around somewhere. So that's what I'm going to do when I get home. Is basically his quick recommendation was to run this Wi-Fi sniffer type thing, and it would point out which channels were being used nearby, and then to pick a channel. Because he talked about it was interesting. He talked about how polite Wi-Fi was. That if you have two completely separate different Wi-Fi networks that are sharing the same channel, they each get 50% of the time that it will literally wait for the other, you know, because they're sharing the airwaves. And so they will, and he said, and then if you get a third Wi-Fi device, they will each get a third of the, you know, the, the time. And so he basically said, if you can find, if you can't find an empty channel, you find one that's used less than the others. If you look at a lot of companies, they look for IT for agility to make the business move faster. What sort of things is a business coming to you in order to help solve issues, problems to make the business go faster? And what would you recommend for other IT organizations and people in IT? How can they work closer with their business counterparts? I think I'm definitely noticing this um, recently, even though I'm sure it's been going on for a while. The trend and the stereotype of IT has really come out from just support, right? So it's kind of changed to having almost like a business partner with an IT to help drive a department to more efficiency. Um, I think we're working closer with departments to kind of streamline their processes, make sure they have the systems and the applications to be able to you know, do the work that they need to, make sure everything's in place. A lot of the questions I get sometimes are around their systems, but also more around strategic components of, you know, how can we implement a better system to help our our workflows, our onboarding, our offboarding, or our sales force, our net suite, which is kind of across the whole org. So something that impacts everyone. And I think it's definitely stepping away from just like, you know, the Wi-Fi is not working or like my computer randomly shut off and those basics of support. My computer randomly shuts off. Yeah, see, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about one of my favorite topics, especially since you're a very sassy company. If you have 200 apps, you know, how many of those apps have what you would call that are, that are holding business critical data that you need to be concerned with protecting? 
but and when I say protecting, I of course mean backup. But I, I realize there are other aspects to protection, like security. That's really hard to give you an exact number on. I. I mean, the first thing I heard uh, right when you said that was, I want to say all of them, right? I'm sure all of them have information that needs to be protected that we want to manage. But you really have to focus on prioritizing what apps have, you know, your sensitive data. What's going to, if if that one app gets leaked or hacked, like, is it going to impact the whole org? Is it going to impact a department? What type of information is going to re- be released? And really start over there. So I don't really have an exact number for you, per se. Mm-hmm. But I would say that it's definitely over half of them. Does your company use Salesforce? We do. I would guess that would be one That's of them. Huge, right? that would That's be... huge, right? That's huge. And your financial systems, whatever you're using for that, right. your HR system, even your mark to a certain extent, all your marketing tools, right? That that has information for other customers. That probably has a lot of PR stuff you're trying to do. Um, at the end of the day, it's really all of it. You don't want anything to be compromised. Uh, you know, whether it's impacting your employees or it's impacting your financials, all of it. There's two aspects to that protection, right? One is to a certain extent, short of the password management and stuff that we talked about earlier, you're kind of relying on, like, let's say Salesforce, you're kind of relying on Salesforce to make sure that at least the only way into your account is via those controls in place. It's not just apps, right? I feel like people do strictly focus on all these apps and, you know, like a Salesforce, but a lot of the times it's your actual endpoint. It's your laptop. It's it's not leaving it open for anyone to, you know, come by and put a USB stick in it and take your whole workspace folder or, or anything of that sort. I think there are a lot of behavioral issues that a lot of people need to focus on. And that's kind of where the whole security awareness and campaigns play a huge part as well. You brought up an interesting discussion point. Some companies have taken taken to deactivating, for example, USB ports. Yeah. Have you thought about that? It's definitely been brought up in conversation, but I think there are a lot of basics that you have to cover first before you kind of get into what I like to call those fancy things. So I was at a security conference a couple of weeks ago and actually got to see Kevin Mitnick uh, speak and live hack on stage. That was freaky. And one of the things he mentioned was USB, right? So one of the things he did was he had an iPhone charging cable Mm -hmm. and he asked an an audience member to come up and examine the cable and see if there was anything that would set it apart to make it look different than any other iPhone charging cable he'd ever seen. And the guy was like, no. And then he plugged it into a USB port and then he pulled up his phone and... You could see everything. Yeah. Hackers are smart. Yeah. Hackers are so, so smart. Yeah. Like they're coming up with some crazy things. Yeah. But I will say that 100% of what he did as a hacker, as I make quotes in the air that you yeah. guys can't see out there, was all social engineering, right? Yeah. So like that, like basically the leave an iPhone charging cable out for someone to grab. Someone will grab it and they will plug it into their laptop and then voila. Another thing he talked about was he, he runs a white hat hacking firm. For those of you that don't know, that's a firm that does hacking on behalf of companies for those companies. They come in and try to penetrate us and we will pay you if you can. And he has a 100% success rate. And he talked about one of the companies that he did was what he did was he found, a, uh, and this was this one personally touched me. He found a person whose job it was to be a speaker on behalf of his company. And so then he says, hey, would you like to come speak at our conference? We will pay you $5,000 and travel if you'll be able to speak at our conference. Well, of course, the guy said yes. And then and then he said, okay, we just need to set up a Zoom meeting. And of course, I'm, I'm all along with the story. And what he sent him was a link to Zoom 
at zoom.us.com, which is not Zoom. And so the guy saw and go, oh, yes, I need to download the Zoom client, as I make quotes yeah. in the air. And so he downloaded software that gave this guy's company control over his laptop. And then his malware then started the Zoom client for him so that the guy had no idea that he had just yeah. downloaded malware. Basically a phishing attack yeah. done very, very well. I probably would yeah. have fallen for that. That's not good. <laughs> um, yeah. I think we should talk about ransomware, but unlike from what we had talked about on past podcasts, I think more from what is it like behind the scenes as you're dealing with this or what would an IT professional have to worry about? It's a scary word. It's something that's security and IT is always obviously stressing about, which is why the focus is always to put controls in place that will prevent that. I've seen that two cities in Florida have now paid a total of $1.1 million in ransom to get their systems back up and running, which just makes my blood boil as right. a person dedicated to backup and recovery and disaster recovery. I would like everybody yeah. to be able to give the big finger to ransomware people and say, I'm sorry, we have a DR system and we're back up and running and we don't need to pay you your stupid money. Right. How terrifying is it to sort of run IT at a at a company in today's day and age with this ransomware nonsense going on? It's definitely a fear that I think a lot of IT and security professionals are more focused on now, especially with kind of the news that you gave, right? We're hearing about it a lot more. Um, so that obviously scares everyone and helps us put more controls in place. Some things that a lot of IT professionals talk about are actually having a plan in place, a runbook, mm -hmm. making sure that, you know, you could take the action as soon as it happens, when it's required, if, if mm -hmm. it happens, um, having isolated networks, training your users correctly, making sure you have everything in place that if anything were to go wrong, you could you could protect it. But definitely a fear. One question I would have, you mentioned, as we said, you're a very sassy company. Do you have IT systems, traditional IT systems that you have to protect as well? Or is it all SaaS? We do have traditional IT systems that we also have to protect. The reason why they ask that is that, is that that's what the ransomware tends to go after. It tends to go after right. a traditional system. I mean, it's not going to go after... Salesforce, it's going to go after right. Oracle running in a server in your data center, and it's going to change just enough so that you can't access that system. And now your critical system is unavailable to you. Right. What kinds of things do you think an IT company can do to, to help prevent that from happening to them? User education would definitely be one of the components that we have in place to kind of help prevent that and solve for that problem. I think your employees and your users are your biggest asset of the company, right? So training training them to take the right action in a situation of that sort is most important. Obviously, training best practices and having that in place also very important. And sometimes when you are dealing with these systems at a physical location, you have to account for all the physical security and all of those components that a lot of people have also not completely forgotten, but have kind of put on the back burner because everyone's a lot more focused on SaaS applications and, you know, single sign-on, all those things. But it comes down to the basics sometimes where you also have to implement a physical security and just training your team. All of the systems that I've worked with over career, if you get physical access, all bets are off. Yeah. Which, again, to go back to the very scary Kevin Mitnick speech, right. he talked about him, he got hired to physically get into a data center of a very big bank, a bank where they had armed guards at the entrance and they used hid cards. And he toured the building because he told the 
property manager that was going to rent property in the building. It was a building that wasn't entirely the bank. And the property manager gave him a tour. He used a HID card reader in his uh, day planner to get the that data, which he then cloned her HID card, which then got him in the building. And then he hung out in the bathroom. Oh, wow. And then he waited for IT guys to come into the bathroom. <laughs> and then he has a long distance HID card reader that can read up to six feet away. It's like a movie. He read their HID cards and... Boom, he's in the data center. So yeah, because then once you're in the data center- All bets are off, really. A lot of it is, it comes down to the basics, right? Just little things that you have in place that actually end up making a huge difference. I mean, I'm sure a lot of people don't have guards per se in front of their server rooms. Do you, That's do you little... have guards in front of your server rooms? I'm not going to disclose that <laughs> on a public podcast. Good, good answer, good answer. Uh, you know, just a little things. Yeah. Uh, you know, you mentioned that people are your biggest asset. They are also your biggest liability. Yep. So the final thing we'll talk about is you, you have to assume that at some point you will be attacked. How do you monitor for the attack so that you can then remediate it? One thing that's actually really helped the IT group and professionals is going to be Better Cloud, which helps bring these alerts and brings these issues up to par. It allows your IT team and security team to kind of monitor before the issue takes place. So that can mean you could track multiple logins. You can track internal files being shared externally. You could track social security or credit card information being sent out. And once you have those resources in place, then you can not completely go to a user and be like, why are you doing this? But at least you can bring to attention that, hey, you're doing this unintentionally. And these are the controls that we have to put in place so this doesn't happen anymore. Because a lot of the things I've noticed in IT and security is that when your employee makes a mistake of the sort, it's never intentional. They don't even know that they're doing it. So to have these type of tools in place helps us track that and then train them into not doing it. I do want to say Better Cloud has definitely helped in that sense. They're doing a lot of good security monitoring, which helps IT professionals. And that's always that's always promising to find tools like that. Now, that sounds like a cloud app. So that's another SaaS offering. It's another SaaS app. also can look inside your, so it's not, is it monitoring SaaS apps or is it monitoring your data center? It's monitoring specifically the applications that you have linked to it, say okay. like a Google Drive okay. or an Okta connector. And it never has access into your content, right? It's only looking at your headers and your metadata. And it's looking at, it's tracking, it's tracking activity. So it allows you to know when it leaves your domain and then basically fix it going forward. So for example, if suddenly a user downloads 400 files from their Google Drive, for example? Yeah, you could set up alerts for that. Well, I think we have taken up enough time of our... I was just going to say, make sure to thank your IT professional. Thank you. There's an IT professional day. Did you not know what? that? When? Yeah, when is that? There was an IT professional day. Well, what happens? Is it just like... Is like teacher well, appreciation. apparently in your case, nothing. Oh, no, one, no one ever thanks yeah. you. Someone at your company should thank you for the job that I'm sure you do. All day, all night. Do you do you wear a? Oh, I was going to say. I almost said. Oh my god, I'm so old. I was going to say. Do you wear a pager? Yeah, no one wears a pager anymore. They just call your cell phone. You probably shouldn't be wearing a pager. Like, I'm. Did you? I wore ever? a pager. That was, was a that, thing back that, in the day. Oh, okay, I thought that was pre you. That's pretty I ancient. I am old. I really don't know what to say about <laughs> that. It is possible I was doing IT before you were born. That's all I'm saying. So. With that, I want to thank our special guest, Sajel. Thank you for joining us. You're welcome. Thank and you for having thank me. Thank you, Persona, co-hosting once again. 
Always a pleasure, Curtis. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you Sager. to our listeners. Make sure you click subscribe so that you've got a copy of our podcast anytime it happens. And enjoy our theme song. There was a file, but I deleted it. Too bad your backup system isn't worth a spit. Finally, I needed your backup. You had a chance to fix it, instead it's all jacked up. See how I'll write on Facebook about you. The things that I will do There was a file But I deleted it Too bad your backup system Isn't worth the space Emails from you Remind me of When they keep me thinking That we could restore it all Emails from you They leave me breathless I can't help feeling You could restore It'll be completely done Maybe 